Today's sponsor is Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Editor of Technology at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to understand and use. If you have any questions you've been dying to ask, we'll give you the answers plus our views on the latest gadgets. Submit your questions in advance by tweeting them to at Recode with the hashtag TETA. That's T-E-T-A. We want you to be part of the show. Well, just a little part because it really does revolve around you and I. Well, it revolves around you, Kara. That is true. All right, Lauren, this is your inaugural show. You have your own show now. It is. I am so it's excited. It's going to go to your head, isn't it? It's definitely not going to go to yeah, my head. And I have a feeling you're diva. not going to let that happen. No, but I mean, I can no. see Diva written all over you. I'm also really excited that our first show, I have my colleague from The Verge joining us here, Casey Newton. Casey, hello. Hey, guys. How are you doing? You're sitting a little close to me, frankly. But Well, we'll... you know, I don't have my own show either. We yeah, someday, gotta, yeah, someday. 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 Mm-hmm. Someday. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, CES, where you guys look exhausted. The Verge had a trailer there. It was the stinky trailer, I'll be honest with you. But you were there covering it like crazy. Like We were there for nine days, Casey. Yeah, some people were there as long as nine days. Most of us were there for a full week, so we saw literally everything. You mm-hmm. saw everything, and yeah. you wrote about everything. It we just wrote about like, everything. A, I saw your list, and it was shocking, like the amount of stuff. It's very guys. organized. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like a so military operation. So we're going to talk about what happened at CES, helicopter rides, cars in the desert, the biggest surprises, the favorite and least favorites, and what's the takeaway uh, for the normal consumer, the normals, as I like to call them? Well, for those who aren't as familiar with the show or maybe who haven't been able to read all of our fabulous stories, both on Recode and The Verge, I would say there's a handful of overlying themes at CES this year that, that we've come up with. You know, the first is that in some ways, I think the show actually is still relevant. There's been a lot of chatter over the past few years as to whether or not CES is waning in relevance. And I think for journalists, it's really easy to take that attitude. But some of the people I spoke with at the show say that from a company perspective, it is really useful to them. I spoke to one CEO of a company who said it's his opportunity to meet with manufacturers and suppliers in Asia that are all converging in Vegas, also retail partners that he was able to meet with to make sure their products were distributed at retail. And I know it's really useful for people on the ad sale side of things too. So I don't know, Casey, What's your thought on that in terms of the relevance of CES? Well, you know, this isn't an original point, but one of the things we talked about last week was that technology is in this kind of weird middle period where the most exciting stuff is too new and the most uh, stable stuff is too old to really be interesting, right? So, on that's how I feel about me. My, yeah. my personal life. Too old to Just be. in between. <laughs> no, so you look at the really early stuff, uh, virtual reality, drones, a couple, you know, a handful of other categories are clearly going to be huge eventually, but, you know, in many cases they haven't even come to the market yet, so it's hard to know what to make of them. And then on the other side, you have phones and laptops and televisions and refrigerators that are very stable technology platforms, and, and there's not a lot that can be done year to year to really wow or surprise us. And then, you know, everything in the middle just kind of seems super boring. So the show is kind of hollowed out this year. Um, You know, the one big difference I would just say is cars, something that I don't personally care a lot about. But, you know, there's this truism that CES is really a car show. And that feels like it was never more true than it was this year when we saw the launch of the Chevrolet Bolt, uh, you know, among many other car announcements. 
Absolutely. And also Mercedes, everybody was yep. there, correct. And the self-driving car technology was on full display. Even things like Apple Pay, you know, that's sort of been this nebulous thing over the past year, year and a half or so. And we saw Ford, Chrysler, and Volkswagen showing off things like Apple Pay. And then even something like the introduction of um, Uber during CES and Lyft. Um, you know, we talked to cab drivers, mm-hmm. and I know Noah Colwin from Rico did too, who are really not very happy about the introduction sure, of changes. those ride-sharing services. But, I mean, just transportation in general seems to be CEOs a really big were on theme display. this year. I mean, the Ford CEO, Mark Fields, who's going to be at the Code Conference, he was everywhere. It seemed like, he, you know, he was serving the dinner. He was, like, performing in, in one of the Cirque du Soleil shows. It felt like he was everywhere. Yeah, he was, was he really? uh, amazing in a car. Yeah, he's very <laughs> flexible. Mm-hmm. He's a very flexible guy. Um, another theme this year, which maybe is more, I don't know, important or meaningful to us as journalists, but... The big company press conferences were decidedly subdued this year and thankfully very short. I mean, Casey, I know you went to the NVIDIA press conference. What were your thoughts? And Intel, right? What yeah, uh, I did. I went to four of the big company press conferences. Everybody warned me that NVIDIA's would be the longest and the craziest. And while there were definitely crazy things about it, they kept it to an hour and focused on a single product, which is their self-driving car lunchbox technology. <laughs> um, it's not a real lunchbox. It's just the size of one. But uh, apparently you stick this thing in a car and it'll drive itself. Uh, I think they're still working out some of the kinks, but that was certainly a very interesting press conference, highlighted for me by the black leather jacket that the CEO wore the whole time, despite oh. being a 52-year-old man. <laughs> wow. Um, it never works. Though. Yeah, it never, never does. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know... You never stop trying. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I also went to LG, I went to Samsung, uh, I went to Intel, and you know, we, we give out awards at the end of CES, our annual Verge Awards, and uh, each year we award a best Samsung uh, for the most uh, absurd presentation at a keynote, and this year the best Samsung went to Intel for its ridiculous uh, air guitar performance that it did at the <laughs> end of its press conference where it brought the man who wrote the song Jai Ho from Slumdog Millionaire oh, no. play a series of instruments where they were holding Intel sensors, and depending on the way they gestured, they would recreate the music of Jai Ho, <laughs> oh, which turned a like a song, great song, but it's also 10 years old, so why are we playing it now? And it also Everything doesn't really work as a mind act. my head right now. Yeah, it was, it was, it was painful. Like right. So then, uh, and, and nothingware, vaporware. Yeah, there was also a lot of vaporware. I mean, that's not entirely different from the shows of years past, but, you know, these are different from concept products. When you think about concept products, you look at something like, you know, Mercedes shows off a self-driving car that has adjustable rims and some crazy thing that shoots out the back of the car for the a more aerodynamic. That, you know, so you know, and, the Germans never shoot anything out of a back well, of the car. Well, right. you know, I don't know, doors without any handles. I mean, you look at these things yeah. and you see that they're, you know it's a concept car and you know that these are features or technologies that might eventually get integrated into actual real life things. But like, if you look at something like the E-Hang helicopter that we saw this year or Faraday Futures concept car that claims an all electric power of a thousand horsepower, like those things are never going to like go on sale. They're like kind of dreaming? never going to happen. Are you a dreamer, Lauren Good? Or are you just like I so know, I feel beaten like after down. eight days of CES, yeah. I have a very hard I'd time dreaming. dreaminess. Like, do you remember that? Hey, I had a great time at CES yeah. this year, no joke. And I was very excited by some of the things we saw. But, but you know, let's temper the excitement a little bit over the nothingware. All right, we will, I guess. Not me. I'm always inspired by paperware. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then wearables. Well, wearables were a particular topic of interest for me because that's what I was really covering this year. And they were very underwhelming, I have to say. Newton, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think wearables is a good example of a product that is in that middle in between, like, you know, the, the super early adopters and the the mature technology. Wearables, they count your steps. Whoop-de-doo. They've been doing it for, what, 10 years now? I Did still haven't found a reason I want one. I said whoop-de-doo. It's okay. my new catchphrase. <laughs> trying to get it over here on Too Embarrassed to Ask. Yeah, I mean, wearables, one, one of like the trends jeepers. that were... <laughs> okay. It is not. 
That's Casey's name on That's Peach. my other catchphrase. Listen yeah. for it later in the show. <laughs> now, one thing we did see is that this, um, I think that wearable companies realize that they can't just, you know, make a wearable and yeah. like Casey said, have it count your steps and have the same set of sensors and features that everything else has. So we, we saw things look a little bit more fashionable this year. Mm-hmm. And we saw things from companies like Misfit and Fossil. Even Huawei was attempting to make a women's smartwatch that had like, was like bedazzled or something. I don't know. Personally, I didn't find it was very attractive. Yeah. But, um, but I think that they're realizing that in order to get value out of these things, they have to be something that people want to wear. And if yeah. people, in order for people to want to wear it, they have to make it look better. What and, was the, the Misfit Ray that was like the actually decent looking one that had yeah. six months of battery life supposedly? Yeah, that actually got our best wearable award at Verge mm-hmm. and not because the technology inside of it did anything different than previous Misfits. I mean, other Misfits it's did the pretty. same stuff and had six month battery life, no displays, but it was attractive looking. It looked more like a bracelet. So mm-hmm. between things like looking more attractive on the wrist and also we saw some connected clothing companies doing cool things, yeah. you're starting to see that this stuff just, it's moving towards just being built into the stuff we already wear already all wear. the time. Okay. I can't wait till my connected clothing asks me if I've gained weight. That's going to be really fun. <laughs> no, it will know. Yeah, <laughs> it will know. It's a little You'll tight, Casey. It's a little seems, tight today. We're feeling all tight in here. You need to loosen it up, lose some weight. All right, let's get to some user questions. Judd Wait at Judd Wait asked, in your opinion, what were the most disruptive products of the year? Lauren, why don't you take that? And Casey, I would like you to make a follow-up. I have to say, I think it was the unsexy stuff. Casey mentioned the Chevy Bolt earlier. I think it's something like that, which is, you know, a car that's expected by the end of this year. It's got 200 uh, mile range. It's expected to um, launch for around $30,000. I mean, I think you look at something like that and you're saying that's a pretty accessible all electric vehicle. You look at something like the Razor Blade Stealth laptop, which we also gave one of our best of awards, and you're looking at a thousand dollar gaming laptop with like really superior gaming performance, but it also has it meets Ultrabook specifications, so it weighs under three pounds and is like half an inch thick. And you look at that, and you're like, that's some pretty impressive gaming tech if you're into because people who buy gaming PCs usually have to spend thousands of dollars and carry around these like five pound laptops. So it wasn't anything that was super earth shattering this year. I think it was some of the iterative tech. I don't know. Maybe not iterative is the right word, but um, it's just more of the unsexy stuff that I found most interesting. I don't think anything was disruptive in the Clayton Christensen sense Mm -hmm. of the word, Mm -hmm. like, you know, very low cost technologies that are going to upend entire industries. But wow. Yeah. Or Jeepers even. Uh, But but, uh, (laughs) I told you it was coming. Um, I do think that virtual reality is has the most potential for disruption. That you know, if and when there's an Oculus or a HTC Vive in every home, then you are going to see many multi-billion-dollar companies spring up to service the people who you know no longer want to live in the real yes, world. And certainly, I'm one of those people. The next billionaires are going to come from VR. Yeah, I do. I VR, VR, and messaging day. and bots. Yeah, it's all right. Big hobby horse. So another question from Stephen B. Sykes at Comagine. Comagine. Can you get me one of those cool Sony turntables? I need to put the vinyls to use. Is this how this show works? People just tweet at you asking you yes. for products and you get yes. them? Yes, we Are get you them a bot? and we deliver, we deliver them. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> you like bots. You wrote a big story about bots. Yeah, I'm really into yeah, bots right now. It's a great story. Everyone I'm should check out Casey's hot. story on theverge.com about bots. Is that on bots. your like, dating profile? Yeah, that's my, yeah, yeah. That's my new yeah. hashtag and Tinder profile. You should start an app called Bot or Not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, yeah. So tell me about these turntables. No, answer the question. Can you get this guy a Sony turntable? Unfortunately, Stephen B. Sykes, 
I cannot. I think that not only goes against my ethics, but I'm not a bot who just delivers products to you yeah. at will. However, yeah. I appreciate you sending in your question. Uh, and I think this could, you know, we could have a really interesting conversation around retro. Because yeah. between the turntables and uh, the Kodak Super 8 millimeter camera we saw mm-hmm. making it, you know, a comeback, um, people seem really interested in analog products right now. Yeah, you know, I was around when those were like fresh and new, but. Well, what's old is new and what's new is yeah, new exactly. again. That is not Swisher. the case. My life. boss, uh, Neilai, has a theory that the reason that analog stuff is coming back is because we're so sick and tired of learning how to use software. Yeah. Like you just show us a, a record. We're like, oh, I know what to do with it. I just like put it on the, the turntable and I press go and I don't have to learn a new user interface. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do I you actually there's, like, know Well, there's actually some like marriage between Do them. I know how to use a turntable? All right, okay, I don't know. No, I really don't. You know, I, I actually you don't show me. either. Yeah. Panasonic you Technics picking brand. it up and putting it down and dropping it. It goes boom, 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 boom. And then you play the same song over. Over Kara, again. what was the first LP you ever bought? Do you remember? Godspell. Okay, awesome. Why wow. will that save the people? Oh, God. <laughs> do you still have it? When. Yes, I do. Of course I do. I got you know, some Dan Fogelberg. I've got mm, some Led Zeppelin. Dan got, Fogelberg. Got the out. That's right. I think we should yeah. have a Dan Fogelberg theme song on this show. Do you think? Yeah. I, know, I, I have many, many albums. That was the thing. And then we made mixtapes after that. I'm not right. going to bore you with my long, long life, but we made mixtapes for a while. I made mixtapes. I remember mixtapes. And now I don't listen to music at all. Except for David Bowie, I'm so sad. I know. Um, so sad. I just so read retro, actually that retro. I guess I just read uh, that according to Nielsen, right. sales of old-fashioned vinyl LPs increased 30% last year with 12 million records sold. Yep. This is the 10th consecutive year of growth. At the same time, music sales declined 6.1%. Yeah. So people are buying records, and I have a hard time believing that it's all just hipsters who are like, is this cool? I have a vinyl collection. Yeah. I mean, I think people yeah. are actually listening to them because the quality is, is really yeah, there's amazing. There's some interesting things where you can translate the stuff to digital if you wanted mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, actually, yeah. I think, what does this uh, Sony turntable do? What, what, are they, what is so special about it? I actually don't know. Do you know? I mean, it's a, tur- it's a, it's turntable? a, it's a turntable. I know that Panasonic's Technics brand said it's bringing back two of its turntables, right. but Technics with was microprocessors. Mine, yeah. um, Audio Technica has some Bluetooth turntable where you, you're playing the record, but then it's also streaming via Bluetooth to yeah, connected like devices. But there's microprocessors everywhere in these things, right? I guess so. That's a shame. Um, so uh, so we're going to get on to the next question at SAR. Th- I can't pronounce Just it. Just SAR. SAR. Not launched during CES, but can you discuss Peach? And we can. That is actually the perfect segue to our next topic. But let's hold off on answering this one because we actually have a quick message from our advertiser, Casey Newton. Follow Casey Newton on Twitter. Use the (laughs) offer code, Recode. (laughs) Do not do that, anybody, please. All right, so Peach. Peach. Uh, So Peach was the social network that everyone who was using Peach was talking about last week. I signed Um, up for it and then promptly didn't use it. But okay, Um, Casey, you're an expert on Peach. You wrote a Peach story. I did. I called it Friday's Hottest Social Network. And it it was. (laughs) Just for Friday. Uh, Yeah, so a quick bit of background on the app. sick of this shit on Monday. Uh, I don't know. I'm still getting friend requests. Um, So uh, this app was uh, created by a guy named Dom Hoffman, who previously was a co-founder at Vine, which of course you know, sold to Twitter and has been pretty mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. The original iteration of this app was called Byte. Uh, I wrote about it and it was insanely ambitious. You could use it to share almost any kind of thing. You could do drawings, you could make music. Yeah. Frankly, it was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to the drawing board with his team and he comes up with something that is a little bit more narrow. Um, it limits you a little bit more in what you can do. You can share text, you can share photos, but then he has this GIFs, concept right? of magic words. Yeah. So if you type in the word GIF, then it brings up a GIF search so you can, you know, search for the word Slack. Happy. Yeah, and so people are sort of becoming more familiar with this command line interface, um, right? Like, it's it's an old interface for computers, but it's kind of creeping back into the mainstream. And for reasons that are frankly very mysterious, 
serious, this thing just started to take off. Now, there are some things about it that are very quirky and funny. For example, if I wave at you, which is kind of their version of Facebook's yeah. poke, you're presented with something like 10 options for what you can say back to me. And they're very funny. I can boop you on the nose. Boop, yeah. I can put a <laughs> ring on you. I can blow you a kiss. Or yeah. my very favorite, I can quarantine you, yeah. uh, which is, you know, the little emoji of the man with the mask over his face. What does that mean? Well, I think it's, um, you know, if maybe you are coming on a little too strong, I can put you in quarantine. Maybe which, you're a germaphobe and if yeah. someone waves at you, or maybe you're, you're like, a huge just, germaphobe. Yeah. Boop. What the hell is it? I think it's like a very flirty thing. Like, for like, oh, yeah. you're just too cute and I just booped you on the I nose, think it has which the you would literally kill me if I ever tried to do that to you. No one boops me. No one ever booped me on Peach. Yeah. So it's... Booping for me. But the thing is, like... You know, whenever you have something that is silly and dumb and fun, it is often uh, magic for these social networks. Like, often with these social networks, when you're using it for the first time, you're using it because it feels really dumb and stupid, but you just kind of keep doing it. Next thing you know, it takes off. Dumb and stupid. Which brings us to a question from uh, Steve SI, and that's Steve Sanofsky. I know that. Peachy, he's Mm -hmm. he's miscalling it something. Uh, I'm feeling a bit old. Kids, is it appropriate to cake someone after just one Peach app message? Or did I just embarrass myself? What is cake? Uh, so cake is one of these responses that you can send in addition to hiss and quarantine. And the truth is that, of course, it's okay to cake somebody because it's a brand new platform. The emoji themselves are meaningless until you kind of imbue them with meaning, which is mm-hmm. part of the fun of it. Like, I have this whole theory that, like, peaches, um, it's like a pop-up restaurant, right? You mm-hmm. walk in, it's familiar. It, they serve food just like any other restaurant does, but it's just kind of a fun new thing. It's where stuff is happening now. It's probably not going to be around in a month, but you can kind of go there now and have a new experience and it'll be a little bit fun. And, you know, eventually you'll go back to the Olive Garden, a.k.a. Right. Facebook. Right. But, but you know, while it's around, uh, you can kind of check out what they have to offer and enjoy yourself. All right, I have wait. to say that I have a hard time. Um, like, I've used Peach now three times. And mm-hmm. on the one hand, when I download a new application and there's some type of demo screen that's like, okay, here, let me show you six screens or a demo video on how to yeah. use this and swipe through this, I get very irritated and I think no I just want to get into the app but on the other hand you mentioned the command line interface I've been staring at Peach going how do I do this how do I do right, this because yeah, there's actually nothing in the app like, if you're not familiar with typing in draw when you want to draw something well, or typing isn't in Snapchat gif- difficult to use I was just yeah. about to say I mean this is a yeah. criticism that Snapchat gets all the time that like many of the features in the app are discoverable you kind of have to know somebody but that has made it enormously popular with its user base because it feels like a kind of you know inside joke the yes whole thing. it also keeps out the olds well exactly you want things mm. to be confusing yeah. you know it's like why they play loud music at Abercrombie so the parents don't walk in. Right, right. Right? Like, <laughs> Peach is the same thing. Truism. This is a truism. Right. But Snap is that way, too. I mean, Snapchat, excuse me. I mean, I know I do it because my son's on it, and he, he uses it all day long. And um, But I find it, I still find I'm wandering all around, like, really geriatric. There person. are so many things you can do in Snapchat that I don't know how to do. Like, you can, like, if you're, like, filming a video snap, you can zoom in while you're recording. I've been taught how to do this, and I've forgotten I've it. Forgotten. Like, there's just too much to keep in your head. But, so, Pete, let's get back to Peach. Yeah. So it's gotten super popular all of a sudden, because yeah. that's yeah. what people do. They rush to something right. just like they did yo or what happened to sure. yo yo is still around it's will eventually be sold off to help some other company with their notifications yeah okay so the, the, the issue i have with peach i think is is it's a little too fun it's too silly you can't put of course i do value that i don't want to hear yeah. the latest idiotic thing trump has said i that is not what i'm going to find yeah, but do you remember there. when twitter first came out and people were saying I, why do i want to post no, what i, I, for I don't lunch. think twitter's ever silly it, that was mundane well, initially and stupid. that's, that's true it wasn't this silly. is like it super was... silly it feels super silly and so i wonder you know what the audience is it is it young teens or what's the It seems to be um, a combination of younger people and kind of like early adopters, you know, media people. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I would say it's like very similar to probably to Twitter, you know, when it first launched. I I see my 10-year-old using this because he likes to send me endless friggin' 
emojis and, all yeah. over this. He loves that. And and sends endless like just types emojis in for hours <laughs> at me. And and you know, he recently got some Kim emojis. I don't know how he got a hold of those, but he hmm. did. And those were a little bit disturbing to get. I, I think the problem that they're gonna have is that they're gonna spend their next several development cycles building all of the other features you expect in a social network. So right now there are no profiles. Right now there is no search. All very obvious things that social networks need to have. But while they're building all those things, the the part of it that's silly and fun is gonna wear off and people are just gonna kind of give up. So, you know, unless they move very very fast or have a very different approach than the obvious one, like that is what I think is going to lead to their eventual collapse. As a news person, (laughs) I'm curious about the potential for news. I mean, every time a social network has taken off, whether Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, I'm, this is obviously very, you know, I'm personally interested in this, but it becomes sort of a great source of referral traffic and a great place for people to experience the news. So do you see Peach as something that eventually, you know, people you like us would be utilizing? In, right? I mean, how does that work? You, you can't put links in. Um, they show up just like any other update. I think, you know, any platform where people are able to share links, if it gets enough eyeballs on it, it becomes interesting to the media just in the same way as it becomes uh, interesting to advertisers or brands or whoever. Yeah, I would be very surprised if a year from now, Peach were driving a lot of traffic to news organizations. (laughs) But, you know, but the Chicago Tribune has created a Peach account and so has the Washington Post. Yeah, we have not. We don't want to cake anyone right now. (laughs) I tell you what, when I was sitting in the trailer at CES, I told our engagement editor, we need to go grab our username on Peach because you never know. You, you never don't know. want to be sorry. That's right. Yeah, that's true. I actually already grabbed a username on Peach for my um, future unborn children. So, oh, wow. yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm really not planning that far in advance. Um, I actually, we actually grabbed them when Gmail started. That was yeah. smart ones, yeah. for your kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. very yeah, smart. They have great mm-hmm. names on Gmail. Did you also grab Hotmail for them back in the day? No, I didn't. Yeah, they have Yahoo Hotmail mail. at gmail.com. It's a really weird email address, but they love it. <laughs> so, just, it's actually oh, yahoo.hotmail. Talk about this idea of social network. You said social network of Friday. I mean, there's so many out there. There's obviously WhatsApp as a social network, I think, and and so many others. Where is social network going people are you know twitter's at an all-time low in terms of stock and uh people are worried about these things and yet use them quite a bit yeah i mean look facebook is the dominant company of the era i mean it's like the olive garden it is the olive garden it bestrides the earth like a colossus everybody else is just trying to either keep up with it or try to take a different approach but you know there are many examples of of other successful social networks they're not successful at facebook scale but i don't think that's the only measurement of success twitter's audience isn't as big as facebook's it still carries tremendous outsized influence which i think if it has a savior it will be the fact that it is you know in many ways the most influential social network in terms of like driving you know the news Mm -hmm. and kind of the day on the internet um snapchat's continuing to have a lot of success and you know to the extent that you can that are messaging apps, social networks like WeChat, Line, you know, around the world, these things are, are very popular. And, you know, when Apple released their list of the year's most popular apps in terms of, you know, revenue generated, social networks were one of the three categories along with uh, gaming and help me, what was the third one? What does a social network look like in five years? Wow. Well, I think... It's messaging will be at the core of it because that's the number one activity that all of us perform on our smartphones every day. So if you're not great at messaging, you're probably not going to be a big social network. Two, uh, it's going to host a lot of content natively, right? It's going to compete with, you know, whatever the hot thing of the day is, whether it's, you know, news or celebrity content, whatever, it's going to want to host that on its own servers. And then three, it needs to have a VR strategy. So get cracking on that because I'm going to be able to, I need to be able to use it in my Oculus Rift. Oh how God. personalized will it be? I mean, how much will, right now, there, you know, there's some 
there's some controversy sometimes around what Facebook's doing with its news feed and how much control you actually do have over what you're seeing. Do you think that's a, a critical element of whatever the future social network will be? I think it's a good question. Um, you know, this concept of a filter bubble gets tossed around a lot. Like, will we eventually like only learn news that is personally relevant to us within like the hundred meters where we live? But you know, the other big thing we see is just that the news is still ultimately the news. Like, the news is very stubborn that way. You know, these are sort of big impersonal things that happen around the world, whether it's, you know, terrorist attacks in Paris or San Bernardino. It grabs all of our attention and it's, you know, it doesn't need to be personalized to us in any way. It's just kind of, it is the news. Filter bubble. Filter bubble. No one ever uses that term. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was an idea like floating yes, around the like, social media circles. Yeah, yeah. Are we in a filter like bubble? <laughs> and yeah. boop. Well, what does that Jeepers. mean? Also, not just for Jeepers, not just for photos of our you know friends, pets, and babies that we're seeing, but like you say, the news. I mean, part of like having a you know democratic sort of approach to the news is that we are seeing news about this topic that I wouldn't normally look at, or right. I am seeing it from this source that I wouldn't normally go to. So, what happens when the filter bubble gets so? I don't know, so constrictive that you're only seeing one side of everything. I and feel I'm potentially dangerous. I feel I'm yeah. seeing plenty. Um, we've got to wrap up soon, but go yeah. ahead, Casey. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, because particularly on Facebook, we tend to add everyone as friends, right? You meet them once at a wedding, they're your friend for life. And so it kind of has this normalizing effect where all of the stuff that gets shared into your feed is this kind of mass market mainstream stuff. And so like that's one reason that the filter bubble never really emerges, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not only friends with the other people in my like Dungeons and Dragons circle or like whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't have one uh, anymore. I didn't did when I was eight. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's not like you're in a social network that's only your five coworkers. I mean, yeah. you are, it's called Slack, but like that's not is what's going to be driving most of your news consumption. Yeah, interesting. Well, we've got a skedaddle. Ooh. Okay, yeah. that? I like peachy. that. That was a peachy um, segment. Peach gonna be around in a year. Oh, uh, uh, by Lauren? next week's podcast, maybe. Uh, Lauren, yes or no? I'm gonna leave it to Casey. You know, Put super hard to predict. Um, uh, almost nothing would shock me. Uh, here's what I would say. They've gotten a lot further than 99% of any social network ever, and they deserve some sort of credit for that. Yeah, I have one word, path. So, anyway. Path always sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, this has been fun. Yes. And Casey, thank you for being thank here. Thank you, Casey. Thank My you, Kara. Lots of cool questions from our readers. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. All on recode.net slash TETA, T-E-T-A. That's recode.net slash T-E-T-A. Also, don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time at Recode with the hashtag TETA, T-E-T-A. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Thanks to our listeners for the great questions. And Kara, thanks for giving me my own podcast. Oh, it's your Christmas present. Aw, yeah, Don't break it. 